Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. God is a good God, amen? I do apologize. I didn't, I, when we were thinking this through, I didn't think those handles were as big as they were. And so they are quite distracting. But that's okay. We'll get through it. Amen. What's that? So I said, stand on, stand on the top. Yeah. No, that's, that's not going to happen. One thing I've learned is the higher you put something really heavy, the greater the fall. So, so we ain't, we're not doing that. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hmm. Right there it is. You know, the problem with technology is when it goes sideways on you, it is a drag. I never had my, when I did notes, you know, paper notes in a notebook. And see, like right now, this, this technology is basically saying, I'm not going to do what I want you to do. And so... See, and you're supposed to just push with one button like that. See, it didn't do it. But that's okay. See, I have the gift of gab, so I'll just keep... Oh, there it is. Look. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at one verse of Scripture. I'm uh, prepared this message special today for this service, knowing uh, that we were going to do baptismal service. I, um, you know, we used to, for years, we did our baptisms on Wednesday night, and sometimes uh, years ago, we used to do them uh, in the outside during the summer. We'd do it on Sunday afternoon, like around four o'clock. But I, I really have felt over a, a little bit of time that I've really wanted to incorporate it in our Sunday service. And part of the reason why is because I want you guys, I want all of us as a church, our main body, to see what God's doing. Sometimes we don't always see what God's doing, and it's like, are people getting saved? Are they getting touched? Are they getting transformed? Is, you know, what's happening? And so sometimes I, I think it's healthy for us to see that God is actually moving in our midst, Amen. And we need, as a church or as a, as a leadership in the church, we need to do a better job at communicating to you all that God is doing because God is doing some phenomenal things here at this church. He really is working. He's moving. He's changing lives. Uh, people are being healed. Uh, marriages are being restored. Lives are being changed. Things are happening. Now, I will say to you as well, there's no doubt that there are some bumps in the road. Amen. One of the things that I've learned over, you know, 30-some years of ministry is that when you put two or more people in a room together, you're going to have some sparks eventually. Uh, The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And, you know, sometimes we get bumping against each other and personalities and opinions and tastes and matters of, you know, all opinion begin to begin to happen, and, and after a while, it's like, it's inevitable that there's going to be some difficulty, but we never measure the success or even the failure of something based on the difficulty. Listen, failure can only transpire if we quit. Okay, we ain't done. 
We are, not, I, I, I said we ain't, that's horrible English. The reason I am changing this is because I was looking at Pastor Alex, who is turning his head and giving me a, a look. He wants me to change my English. He says, you're way smarter than this, John. You, can ha you have the ability. So, I, 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 will, I will say it again. I will, um, God's not through with us yet. Can you say amen? And, and you know what? If you're still breathing, then there's no way you can fail. Because the only way you can fail is if you quit. So we never measure whether we're a failure or something has failed just because we're having difficulty. Jesus had difficulty. In fact, Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. He says, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And so as long as we stay in that mindset, we're overcomers. Can you say amen? amen. Even if the entirety of our life is a challenge, and we never see all that we want to see, the reality is we are going to heaven. And there is another life, and that life is forever. And we are going to have the greatest, the best, and we are going to have all of our uh, hopes and dreams will be fulfilled there. And I guarantee you that God, is, he keeps good books, and he will be no debtor. In other words, you're not going to get to heaven and God go, well, you know, I owe you. God's going to say, look, I'm going to balance the books. It's, it's going to be good. And so there's never a failure unless you quit. And then our successes can't always be uh, 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 measured because simply we're doing good or there's some things going on. The reality is today is if Jesus is in our life, it's always good. It's always good. Look, at the devil is a liar. How many know that? And the devil wants to torment, he wants to tear up, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy, all of those things, but we're not going to give him freeway. We're not going to, it's not that we just ignore him, it's not that we just pretend that he don't exist, it is that we overcome him. With the Luke chapter 10 verse 19 says that we've been given the power to tread on, to walk on, to stomp on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt us. Amen. We need to believe that. that we need to hold on to that. We need to confess that. Can you say amen? amen? Because that is the truth of the Word of God. Those are words from Jesus himself. And so that's all free. God bless you. No charge. Amen. It's not even, not even in the notes. So I don't need, know who needed to hear that, but that's for you. So today what I want to do is I want to minister this message, the power of a transformed life, in light of the fact that we are in fact doing a baptism and we are celebrating transformed lives. Can you say amen? So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I love this passion or this portion of scripture. I pray it all the time. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen to it in the amplified version. It says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that is describing your condition and my condition, regardless of what's going on in our lives. Do you understand that? 
I, I know, I, like I said earlier, I know that we're all kind of stumbling through this life and sometimes, you know, we have better days than others and sometimes we stumble our, over our own feet. But at any given day, regardless of what's going on in our lives, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Now, when you think about the reality of the gospel, it becomes very apparent that its appeal to those who are lost is the opportunity for a second chance, a clean slate. Have you ever wanted a second chance? Have, have you ever wished, it's like, boy, I wish I could do that again. I mean, I am now to the age where I'm kind of looking back, I'm looking back on my life. I'm not the ancient days, but I'm old enough to have a past. And I'm looking back a little bit, and there are things that I would probably do different if I could go back with the same knowledge that I have. Yeah. Problem with going back without that knowledge is you're either doomed to repeat it or you're just going to do other bonehead things. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You kind of got to go back with the knowledge, but even then, you're not, still not guaranteed that you're going to do any better than you did. And so it really is kind of a loser's game. Can you say amen? Regret really is a waste of energy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reality is can't change it, need to move forward. I heard a saying one time years ago, we, we challenge, he, he, he says, we, uh, we challenge the past by embracing the future. And so what that means is, is that, you know what, I can't do anything about my past, I can't fix it, but I can do something about my present, and certainly I can do something about my future. Can you say amen? Well, in this verse, he's telling us we've been given a second chance. It is indeed good news. Can you say amen? See, when we were young, we called it a do-over. On the golf course, we called it a mulligan. But when you think about it, it's more than just a second chance. It is a fundamental transformation of that which is dead and dying, becoming alive and full of life. Amen. So whatever background, wherever you came from, whatever need you may have right now, you and I have been given this Christ-centered, transformed life. Can you say amen? And few things in life have the spiritual power of a changed life. And I want you to think about that. Few things in this life have the power of a changed life. It's inspiring. It's noticeable, and it can be shocking. When the religious leaders of the day were questioning the man that Jesus healed who was born uh, uh, blind, they came to him and they, they said, who did this to you? What happened? And, and they began to interrogate him as if there was some problem. Yes. <clears throat> and the man responded, he goes, the one thing I know is once I was blind, but now... I see. It was remarkable. It was unforgettable. And it is intriguing. I want you to think about this. Think about when somebody truly transforms their lives. It arouses our curiosity, doesn't it? We become, we become interested in who they are. And we, we, even, we even become a little fascinated have, have you ever met somebody who's lost a, 
a ton of weight? Have, have you ever known somebody in the past and they were quite heavy, but then you meet them like 10, 15 years later and they're like really skinny and healthy and, and, and buff and all of that, and you go, wow, dude, oh my gosh. Or maybe you've, you know somebody that went through some major life crisis, but now they've found peace. They, at one time in their life, were a basket case, but now they're stable and whole, and their whole demeanor has changed. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you meet them? What happened? What happened? How, how did you do that? How, how can I do that? Where, where do I begin we, we have all these questions, don't we? We, we always do. It's like, what, 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 what did you do? How, you know, so if somebody changes their financial outlook, they, it's like, well, what did you do? What did you invest in? You know, how, where did you put your money? Or, or if, they, if, or if somehow they've changed their house, or they, whatever it might be, when somebody has changed something, it intrigues us. We're interested, and we're maybe even a little inspired and motivated to change ourselves. See, a transformed life is something that people cannot argue with. You just can't argue with a transformed life. You can't. It's powerful. And it's what God desires of all of us as followers of Jesus. And we've dedicated this day today to celebrate those whose lives have been transformed by the power of God. And that's why we do baptism. It's a commandment of the Lord. It's an it's a institution of the Word of God. We do it as a... Uh, we don't believe that baptism saves anyone. We don't believe that baptism is going to make somebody special. But what we do is we believe that baptism represents this life that has been transformed. And the reason that we do baptism by full immersion is because in that act, in that, if you will, prophetic act, it's us dying to self and coming alive, resurrecting to that newness of life, going that old man dying and passing away and the new man, that new creature, that, new, that newness in the Christ in Christ Jesus, coming alive in him. Can you say amen? If somebody said to you, prove to me that God is real. I ask this rhetorically. You don't have to shout out an answer. But if I said to you, prove to me that God is real, what, what, would, you, what would you say? I mean, if somebody came up, and I've actually had this question. Prove to me that God is real, but you can't use the Bible. Man, you feel handcuffed, don't you? It's like, what, 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 I don't know. What evidence would you be able to offer from your own life that God is real? In your personal experience, what has happened to you that can point to and say, God did that for me? The reason I use that verse that the man, the blind man, said is he didn't know. He had a moment. He had an encounter with Jesus. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know much about him. He was not a theologian. He was barely a good Jew. 
He's blind. He's been a beggar all his life. He's been an outcast. People have have pitied him and looked down upon him all his life. And now there is this radical change in his life. And they come to him and they say, prove. And he goes, I don't know what to say to you except this. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's powerful, church. Because when somebody comes to you and says, prove to me that there's a God, and you can't use the Bible because I think that was written by men, what you can point to is exactly what God did in your life. Said, you know what? This is what I was. There was a day that I was an alcoholic, but I am not anymore. There was a time when I was hooked on drugs, but I am set free. There was a time when porn uh, uh, dominated my life, but now I am morally clean. There was a time when my life was falling apart, but now it's together. There was a time when my marriage was, was, was shipwrecked on the rocks uh, of, the, of life, but now somehow God has come in and transformed us. There was a time my kids were wayward and lost, but now they are found. There was a time when I was broke and I had nothing and I couldn't even pay attention, let alone anything else. But now God has given me a job, and now I have all that I need, and my needs are taken care of. See, it's that personal testimony. It's that that proof that God, I could not do it. I tried and tried and tried. I labored and I worked. And oh, I got a little ways down the road, but I always stumbled and fell and went back to what I was. But when Jesus came into my life, everything changed. When I gave my life and surrendered to him and said, Jesus, you be the Lord of my life, the clouds that dominated my thinking lifted and the glory of God began to shine upon me and move upon me. And my life changed. In the book of Revelations, it says this, that the testimonies of Jesus, are as the testimonies of Christ are the spirit of prophecy. He said, what does that mean? That means that, you know what? Simply put, if God did it for me, he could do it for you. And that's why we do these things. That's why we pay attention to a transformed life. This is this whole life called salvation. This this life walking in Christ is not about just getting a, a, a ticket to heaven or getting a pass from hell. This is about you and I being completely different people altogether. Can you say amen? The Apostle Paul talks about this transforming power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If you want to prove to people that God is real, if you want to show evidence of what God has done in our lives, We need to point beyond ourselves, beyond our own achievement, and we need to point to the transforming power of God and say, God did that. God did that. That's what Jesus did for me. Once I was blind, but now I see. 
Now, I want you to think just for a moment here. I'm not going to take a whole lot more of your time. But I want you to think about this just for a moment. And look at the ways that we should experience transforming the transforming power of God. Think about when a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly. Do you know it literally becomes a completely different creature? Do you understand a caterpillar and a butterfly? They, I, I know that a caterpillar is, like, like if you were to look at a baby, like if you were to look at Wyatt right now, you could look at Wyatt and go, wow, he looks just like his brothers and his dad and his mom. You could recognize there's, there's similarities. You go, wow, he's got two arms, two hands. Two legs, feet, toes, ten toes, ten, well, yeah, ten toes, ten fingers. I was getting my numbers off there for a minute. I was thinking maybe I was describing an oddball, but he's, he's normal. And you look at him and you go, I can recognize. But when you look at a caterpillar, a baby butterfly, it does not look like a baby butterfly. It does not act like a baby fl- butterfly. It does everything different. It does everything different. But the moment it goes into that cocoon, and there is a metamorphosis, there is a transformation, and out of that very kind of ugly-looking caterpillar comes this beautiful butterfly. Well, that's what salvation is. There is a transformation. Listen to our text again, 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the NIV. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The J.B. Phillips version of the Bible says it this way. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That's what he's talking about today. And this transforming power of God has the power to transform my present and shape my future. Can you say amen? And we can see this power in several different ways. We can see in transformed character. Listen to what I'm saying. Now, I understand, please, 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 don't be so rigid and narrow that you don't leave room for flexibility. We are all in process. Can you say amen? Is anyone that's perfect, stand up. Okay, so I'm not saying we're perfect. We are all at varying degrees and levels of process, and all of us are stumbling forward. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his long-suffering patience. Amen? If there's anything that I appreciate, probably more than anything, is I I, I know, I've known all my life. I've been a Christian a long time. I've known the love of God. I know he loves me. I know that he's gracious, but the thing that always amazes me about him is his patience with me. I would not be, I am not that patient with me. And if I was God, I certainly, I'd go, hey, Gabriel, we're we're, going to mold this one into different. Start over. (laughs) I'd have started over with me about 45,000 times. I'm just not that patient, but God seems to be patient. I seem to stumble over the same log to the point the angels are looking at God and going, what is, what's up with him? (laughs) What is wrong with him? And God goes, that's just my son, isn't it cute? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not saying that God winks at sin. I'm not saying that that doesn't concern him. It deeply concerns him. He paid with his life to eradicate the sin in my life. But he's patient with me. So one of the things that we see in this transformed life is transformed character. The liar becomes truthful. The thief becomes honest. The lewd becomes pure. The proud becomes humble. That's the transformed life. There's a transformation. This is what I was. This is what I am. Can you say amen to that? There's a transforming of values. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ turns the world upside down. We begin to value things completely different. It almost seems, it almost, I was going to say, it almost seems to us backward. I have a really good friend. He's a very good friend. I have known him for 35 plus years. His name is Raul Barajas. Raul has preached here. He's a pastor. He has a church in Tijuana, Mexico. I've preached in his church more times than I can count. And Raul is quite a man of God. He, 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 the, the success of his life, he's got like somewhere, they don't even know really the count, somewhere between 50 and 75 churches out directly uh, from his fellowship. He holds two conferences a year in Mexico, one in Mexico City, one in Tijuana. And uh, he's, I think they're into the fourth or fifth generation. So what that means is he sent out a church, that church sent out a church, that church sent out a church, that church sent out a church. I think up to the fifth generation, fourth or fifth. And it's just amazing, amazing. And I was talking to him the last time Kathy and I went down to Mexico, did a a marriage uh, 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 retreat for his uh, fellowship down in Ensenada. This was at the beginning of 2020, just before COVID hit. And we were down there in in Mexico and we were talking to him. And, you know, it's always funny listening to him and his wife, Lapita. Lapita's, Lapita's a lot of fun. She's a great lady. And uh, we always have a great time with them. And uh, so when they're talking, they go back and forth between English and Spanish. And so, you know, we've known each other long enough that I could be quite direct with them. So when they go into Spanish, I go, hey, you talking about me? What's happening? You know, is this, is this the part of the conversation where you're going, hey, we can't feed this fat guy no more? Is that, is that what's happening? And I've learned, you know, if I hear the, if I hear the blah, 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 Gordo, I know they're talking about me. <laughs> and so, so we were talking about Spanish, and I, I, I said, you know, I, I said, you know, if I had the discipline, I really would like to learn. I said, but man, I, I just don't know if I could learn Spanish or not. I said, you guys are all backwards. Have you ever noticed Spanish is backwards, the way they put their adjectives and verbs and and stuff? And Raul looked at me dead in my eye and as serious as he could, and he says, we're not backwards. You're backwards. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I mean, he is dead serious. He's not laughing. He's not joking. And then he continued to eat. It's like, no, no, no. You think you're backwards. We're backwards. You're backwards. And I got thinking about this. See, transform value. See, the kingdom of God, if you want to receive, you got to give. 
If you want to live, you got to die. If you want to be first, you need to be a slave. Are you hearing me? And so we look at that and we go, oh, it's the upside down kingdom. No, no, it is the kingdom the way it was supposed to be. We live in the upside down kingdom. When I said the, Jesus turns the world upside down, it's wrong. That's a wrong statement. Jesus turns the world right side up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the power of a transformed life. When we're transformed, when we're truly transformed, we desire holiness. In one of his books on revival, Leonard Ravenhill wrote this. He says, the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make that man holy and put him back in that unholy world and keep him holy in it. But that's what God does. It's amazing because all of a sudden your desires and your appetites change and you want to be right with God. In this transformation, there's a deep passion for the Word of God. Something happens and we crave the Word of God. We go, wow, God, I, I just I want to know you and I want to know your Word. Job said it this way in Job 23, 12. He says, I have treasured your words, the words of his mouth, more than my necessary food. And Jesus put it this way. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's a passion for his word. D.L. Moody had it right when he says, the Bible wasn't given for our information, but the Bible was given for our transformation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the last thing that I'm going to, there's a lot of things that we could go down, but for our sermon today, the last thing that I'm going to identify is that in this transformed life, there is, there is the evidence of answered prayer and miracles, especially in healing and deliverance. Jesus promised that this would accompany the preaching of the gospel, didn't he? When Jesus said, he goes, you'll go in all the world and preach the gospel, and these signs shall follow. He didn't say you may or probably. He said you will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. He was emphatic. There was no exception. He says, if you pray in my name, it'll be granted to you. Why? Because that supernatural power is the evidence of transformation. That's what we need to be contending for. Can you say amen? amen? And as we begin to bring this to a close, and Jason can come if he'd like, I want to encourage you to walk in the transformation God has given you. I was meditating on this yesterday after I had finished my notes, had gotten all done, and I was just kind of sitting. So a lot of times what I do when I get done with my notes, I'll just kind of sit there for a minute and say, you know, is there anything else? Am I missing something? And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about transformation. You know, there is, a, there is this kind of duality in the kingdom of God where it is now and coming. The kingdom of God is now, but the kingdom of God is coming. You know, we are, we are saved and being saved, Okay. And so there's this kind of, an, and I don't know if I necessarily understand 
how that works. That, that's because God lives outside of time and we don't. And so it's very hard for us to get our minds around the timing of all that. But I could say this right now. As I was going through that list, even though that, that is a very short list, if you were saying, you know, I don't see all of those things in my life, I want you to know if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, they are there. I want you to know that you've been transformed. As far as God's concerned, this is a done thing. You're transformed. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, the thing we must do is allow that transformation to begin to take place. We need to walk it out. We need to allow that transformation to be revealed through our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we think that transformation isn't coming, but I submit to you that what's happening here in this statement is that the transformation that already exists comes as we renew our mind to its reality. See, that's the Word of God. The Word of God points us to that transformation. The Word of God reveals what Christ actually did in our lives. And so then that transformation is revealed. It begins to come out. It comes from the inside to the outside, where now our vocabulary changes. What we look at changes. We no longer have appetites for certain things and pleasures that no longer fulfill us because what's happening is our mind is being renewed. And that's why the Word of God is so powerful is because our minds are renewed by His Word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He goes on in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. You know, church, I, I, I'll say this about transformation is in this world, in the climate, in the, in, in the context of the world in which we live now, when you live a life of love and love, a lifestyle of love, where you love people and you refuse to get caught up in the rhetoric of the day, but you just simply love people and allow them to be who they are and, and allow the love of Christ to flow through you. People may look at you and they may say all manner of thing about you. They may say you're a wimp and you're not drawing a line in the sand and you need to stand up and they may do all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, they will not be able to deny your love because love never fails. They will not be able to deny the reality of a transformed life because they will begin to look around and say, well, you know what? Everybody acts that way, but this one, he's different. Jesus is hanging on the cross and he literally had the ability to call down legions of angels. He is the Christ. He is the son of the living God, even on the cross. He's the one that was there. He spoke and worlds came into existence. He said, light be and light was. That's who was hanging on that cross. And he could have at any moment said, enough. He could have said, I'm done. This is over. And it would have been over. 
He would have been instantly seated on his throne and everything we knew would have been snuffed out of existence. But he didn't do that. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I cannot think of anyone that has ever, I'm certain there are probably people in existence that maybe you've gone through a martyrdom Um, you've tormented you you know there's certainly people that have gone through things but Jesus was carrying the sin of the world and the weight of the world at that moment and yet he had the ability out of love to say Father forgive them and church that's who we need to be that's overcoming power that's the kind of power that overcomes nations and worlds That's the kind of power that transforms people. We must live differently, church, in this world. If your life doesn't look very different from those around you, then something's wrong. It may not mean that you're unsaved. I'm not saying that if you don't look differently that you're unsaved. You could, in fact, be saved, but what may be happening is that you haven't come to understand yet the transformation that Jesus has actually done. That you are still seeing yourself like the old creature rather than the new one. And my hope is today and my prayer for you is that you would begin to see yourself as Jesus sees you that you are the salt of the world and the light of the world. And here's my admonishment, if there is one in this service, don't waste your life. Don't waste your influence on those that are around you. Live a life that is transformed by living in obedience to the commands of Jesus. And allow your life to impact others in such a way is they can't help but ask you why. And that they cannot deny the living God. Can you say amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, God, for this word. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Jesus, that you have truly transformed us. Lord, though at times we don't feel transformed, at times we don't even walk that transformation out, we ask that you would help us, remind us of who we are in you. Lord, help us to control our thoughts and our words and our actions. Help us to be who you've called us to be. Father, we love you. We praise you. And Lord, we do this morning thank you for those that are getting baptized today, God. We thank you for their decision to receive you and them being able to go on record through baptism. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and release you this morning. Our ministry team is going to come. If you need prayer of any kind, come on up. Let them minister to you today and, and pray for you. If you would like to come back for the 1030 service, I cannot tell you where in timing it will be as far as where the...
baptism, so you may have to sit through the message again. A lot of times it's different. So come on out, be a part of that, and we'll see you. God bless you. You guys have a great day. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.